we continue reading God's Word, switching to 1 Kings, the first chapter, reading at the fifth verse. It's a later part of the story that we heard earlier. Listen again for God's Word. Now Adonijah, son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. He prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. His father, King David, never at any time displeased him by asking, Why have you done thus and so? He was also a very handsome man, and he was born next after Absalom. He conferred with Joab, son of Zeruah, and with the priest Abiathar, and they supported Adonijah. But the priest Zadok and Benaiah, son of Jehoda, and the prophet Nathan, and Shimei and Rei and David's own warriors did not side with Adonijah. Adonijah sacrificed sheep, oxen, and fatted calf by the stone Zoheleth, which is beside in Rogel, and he invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the royal officials of Judah. But he did not invite the prophet Nathan or Benaiah or the warriors or his brother Solomon. Then Nathan said to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, Have you not heard that Adonijah, son of Haggith, has become king, and our lord David does not know it? Now therefore come, let me give you advice, so that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go in at once to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord and king, swear to your servant, saying, Your son Solomon shall succeed me as king, and he shall sit on my throne? Why then is Adonijah king? Then while you are still there speaking with the king, I will come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba went to the king in his room. The king was very old. Abishag the Shunammite was attending the king. Bathsheba bowed and did obeisance to the king, and the king said, What do you wish? She said to him, My lord, you swore to your servant by the Lord your God, saying, Your son Solomon shall succeed me as king, and he shall sit on my throne. But now suddenly Adonijah has become king, though you, my lord the king, do not know it. He has sacrificed oxen, fatted calf, and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the children of the king, the priest Abiathar, and Joab, the commander of the army. But your servant Solomon he has not invited. But you, my lord the king, the eyes of all Israel on you to tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise it will come to pass when my lord the king sleeps with his ancestors that my son and Solomon and I will be counted offenders. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue reflecting on various women mentioned in the biblical text. This week we meet Bathsheba, a woman in the Bible who is called by her name. And she's actually given voice in the stories, at least in the later part of the stories. Hey, Richard? Excuse me, Richard. What? Well, you've been carefully telling us about women without names in the biblical stories and how women often are not even given voice in the stories. So you have been listening. Well, you've been talking about women. Maybe this week, in recognition of Bathsheba being given voice in the biblical text, you might give a woman voice in your sermon. And who would that woman be? Well, guess. Since you interrupted my sermon, I guess you are the woman. Absolutely, I am the woman. 
Okay, so we'll include a woman's voice in the sermon. Do you think it'll make a difference in how we look at the biblical text and how the sermon comes out? Well, in some ways, maybe not. We both approach the text seriously, looking at the story and its context and what it has to tell us today. We even borrow and sometimes steal each other's study books when we're interested in a text. On the other hand, I do think that my perspective as a woman might cause me to see things in the story or interpret things differently than you might. You're probably right, although I have been brainwashed by my wife and three daughters for <laughs> lots of years. Wise women, I might add. Well, let, let's take a look at the first major story in which we meet Bathsheba, the one that was read earlier where King David notices Bathsheba, whom the text describes as a beauty bathing on her rooftop. I think it's fair to say that historically people have focused on Bathsheba's beauty and David's immediate attraction when he spies her bathing. Certainly artists through the years have painted uh, 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 pieces of art that, that show the beautiful Bathsheba attracting David. I also think people typically assume, and maybe that's just men, but, but I get this impression that, that when they talk about Bathsheba bathing, they think sunbathing, even though we know it was a custom in Jerusalem at that time for people to use their, their roofs on which to take baths. Sunbathing and beauty, sexy, interesting. Bathing, not so much. All of which is true. And you point out how quickly people sometimes move to focus on Bathsheba's beauty and bathing habits. But we should also note what the physical description of the building tells us. King David can look down on Bathsheba because his roof was the highest roof in town. He was king. He had all the power, which reminds us of Bathsheba and, in fact, most women's plight in that time. The man has power and control, the woman not so much, which is, of course, magnified by the fact he was king. He could command or demand whatever he wanted from men or women. When I put on my feminist hat, I do notice that the text tells us King David took Bathsheba. Although I do not think it would have been thought of like this in David's time. The idea that the king could take a woman has the feel of rape, or at least a man doing whatever he wants and a woman having no choice in the matter. It does seem like David had choices in power, Bathsheba had none. Or is that demeaning to Bathsheba to suggest that she had no power? Well, it seems to me that to suggest she had no, more, had no power is more um, the reflection of the reality, not an unfair interpretation. In some ways, it seems to work in Bathsheba's favor when it comes to who gets blamed for the adulterous affair and for King David having a plan to kill her husband Uriah. The text, in fact, tells us that, that God was displeased with David 
and doesn't mention Bathsheba, which of course suggests a couple of things. One, the story is still focused on David and ignores Bathsheba, but, but also God does not like the way King David is treating people and abusing his power. A reminder of God's call to gracious action rather than abusive power. And a clear reminder that what Bathsheba thinks or does is of little importance to the story, or at least at this point in the story. Although I'm not a woman, something similar jumps out to me from a later scene when Bathsheba and David's first son dies. We hear all about how David grieved, all about how David felt. But we hear nothing about Bathsheba except David consoled her, they had another child, and that child would be Solomon. As a parent, I cannot imagine only a father, or for that matter, the mother, that only one of them would be grieving. Well, welcome to the world of those who are not given voice. Bathsheba's situation is not unique. Like women before her and after, she learned that silence was the norm, and she had to develop other ways to survive and thrive. It seems like she figured that out. She seems to develop skills at manipulating or using what power she has. She takes to the role of queen very well. When the time is ripe, she puts those skills to work to make sure she and her son survive. Solomon becomes king, and she becomes queen mother. The role of queen mother is powerful, but again, her power is derived from the power of a man, this time her son. King David used his vast power to take Bathsheba, and in turn, Bathsheba used her power as queen to get her son made king. Either way, there would have been a king after David, one of David's sons, but God was working through these human actions of power and manipulation to get Solomon on the throne. At the end of the day, the covenant stands, and the sovereign God will not be deterred or thwarted. It does seem that Bathsheba came into some power. When she hears that King David's son Adonijah is going to become king, she, she goes to work. She visits the old and weak King David and tells him that he had promised her their son Solomon would be the next king. Do not miss that we have no record of David making that promise to Bathsheba. It seems clear that she has learned how to manipulate King David just like the prophet Nathan encouraged her to do. If we're going to talk about stereotypes, this part of the story feels like it's the old stereotype of uh, a younger woman taking advantage of an older man. But the text makes sure we know it's not a sexual thing because we had already been told that King David no longer had interest in that. And it should be noted that Bathsheba's manipulation makes Solomon king which seems to be God's will for Israel. So what is our takeaway from Bathsheba's story? I know it's an important story because uh, the story of God's people is, is told and so much is made of, of Jesus' lineage and it traces back through David. 
And in fact, we know, and the Gospel of Matthew reminds us that, that David's line goes through Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba. So we know we need to pay attention to Bathsheba's life. God pays attention to Bathsheba's life and work through both her role of being manipulated and her role as the manipulator to work out God's purposes. Unnamed women or named women like Bathsheba demonstrate as that as the story unfolds, God is working our flawed human desires like Bathsheba's need to see her son made king in ways that bring God's purposes to life. Not just God working through flawed humans like Bathsheba and, and us, but God's saving grace that, that saves flawed humans like Bathsheba, like David, like Lisa, like Richard, like all of us. And also uses flawed humans like us to save others. I think we also see how the varied ways we approach the biblical text depends on our own unique perspective and how God speaks differently to and through each of us. But then these differences do not limit God's saving grace but reveal how expansive God's grace really is. So God speaks to us through the unique story of Bathsheba and the woman gets the last word. Yes, she absolutely does. Amen.